0: Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the Gathering's past events. I have always thought that Land Rover made the best looking SUV on the road. You know, I'm not sure if it was uh, the fact that I saw one for the first time maybe in some uh, exciting James Bond film or if I just remember the guys from Top Gear gushing about Land Rover on their show, which I love. Uh, but I have had owning a Land Rover on my bucket list for as long as I can remember. And I was finally able to buy one a few years ago and I can honestly say that it is my favorite car that I have ever owned. It is perfect for commuting on slick Canadian wintry roads as well as going on an ideal summer road trip to take friends or family sightseeing through the Canadian Rockies. I was really just thrilled to be able to do a deep dive on this brand as part of the vetting process for the Gathering and to learn more about their marketing, and their culture and their customer and employee engagement strategies. And in no part of my research did they disappoint. They are as legit as I hoped they were. You know, they referred to their mission as quote, above and beyond. And surely that is what they do. In a category that is ripe with car enthusiasts and diehard fans for a variety of different makes and models, I believe that Land Rover is in a league of their own. Their impact on our culture and the way that they cater to a legion of loyal followers is worthy of our emulation. So let's have a listen as Wolfgang explains how they've accomplished what they have.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Land Rover Above and Beyond Branding. My name is Wolfgang Hoffmann, and I'm the president of Land Rover and Jaguar here in Canada. First of all, I want to thank Chris and Ryan for selecting us as a cult brand honoree. I have been now in the business for 25 years. I started out as an in-house consultant for a German car manufacturer, worked in R&D as the project lead, and then moved on into product marketing in Germany and then in the U.S. I also had the honor to lead a super sports car manufacturer through the financial crisis. And then I came in 2012 to Canada. And for the last five years, I had the pleasure and honor to work for Jaguar Land Rover. So today we're going to talk about, in a time where change is so rapid and so drastical, that I've never seen before about how to stay relevant, how to stay above and beyond your competition. And hopefully you will find one or the other nugget in here that you can apply for your business. So let's get started. So obviously it helps you to have a strong product portfolio to become a major cult brand in the world. But it also is important that you Cherish this heritage and that you find a way to move forward. My encounter with Land Rover started when I was back in Germany in my sandbox with a little plastic Series 1 Defender. And it is said for over 50% of the world population that their first car that they ever seen was a Land Rover. Difficult to prove, but obviously, this helps you when you talk about your brand and how to stay relevant going forward and obviously my sandbox back then was and I didn't know that at the time obviously it was a a good metaphor for the whole brand a difficult terrain and you can manage it and master it all the time you can go anywhere today we moved from the real jungle into the urban jungle and obviously today other aspects of the car are even more important but the first step that you have to take obviously when you define your brand. You have to be very, very clear about the core and the values of your brand. For us, it's always been above and beyond. So everything that I'm talking about today, be it the product, be it accessories, be it the interaction with your customers, all of that has to follow underneath this brand expression. And then you have to have a strong mission. For us, it is helping people to make more of their world. To make experiences that they haven't done before, to grow with our vehicles and to share these experiences. So you have your core, you have your brand identity. The next aspect, of course, is your product portfolio. For us, we have three clear pillars. Three model lines, Range Rover, Discovery and Defender. And each of the pillars then obviously has to also have a clear purpose and identity. In our case, Range Rover stands for refinement. Discovery stands for versatility. And Defender for durability. And underneath that, of course, you serve different customer groups. In our case, on the Land Rover side, the leaders of the society. On the Discovery, modern families. And... On the Defender side, obviously our customer, those are the 21st century adventurers and explorers. Our model family has now grown up to eight vehicles. Not so long ago, we only had five. We have now, with the, discover- with the Range Rover family, four products, Range Rover, Range Rover Sport, Range Rover Law, and Range Rover Evoque. On the Discovery side, Discovery and Discovery Sport. And on the Defender, the 110. And just recently introduced, the Defender 90. And then you have to make sure that each one of your products has a clear destiny and a clear purpose. And for us, it is clearly defined through the leadership position they have to achieve in these very important Segments like design and capability, refinement, versatility, and durability. And then last but not least, you have to give the organization values and um, define key elements that the designers and the engineers can follow through and can always use as a mirror when they are designing their products. For us as Land Rover, we have modernity, relevance, sustainability, and desirability. It means that the design is reductive, it is honest, our functionalities are always intuitive, a sanctuary when you're inside the car. On the sustainability side, I think it's very important to explore even more possibilities for lightweight technology and innovation. And of course, at the end of the day, it's all about desirability. Because let's not kid each other, no one needs a Land Rover. But we want that you want one, and that our customers want one. And of course, in the car industry, one of the biggest drivers is still today the design. So in your business, you need to make sure you have the best designer available. We are lucky, we have probably one of the best car designers in the world with Jerry McGovern, where he won the World Design Car of the Year Award. And when I first saw the 2010 or 2011 Range Rover Evoque, I was blown away. I'm not allowed to swear here, so I I stopped short. But bloody hell, this was a fantastic vehicle. The sloping roofline, a design I haven't seen before. And I worked for a very design-oriented German manufacturer, but this was breathtaking. And then he repeated this success with the Range Rover Velar in 2018. Again, World Design Car of the Year. So you have the product portfolio defined, you have the brand core, you have the design. Now you have to work on the technologies that go into your product. And in our case, of course, you have to have technology that is relevant to the customers. And that is also, you know, almost standard in the industry what the competition has as well. So no one is talking about navigation or adaptive cruise control anymore. Those are qualifiers. But for us, it is very important to find innovation technologies that actually only we could bring to the market. Because again, they go to the core of the brand. For example, weight sensing system that you always know how deep you are in the water if you go off-road. Or the clear sight interior mirror if you load your car in a versatile discovery and you can't see out through the back so that you have a camera system there. But one great innovation I think is, you know, you try to get away or you try to move away with a hood and you have a clear sight, ground view technology. Because as an off-road company, that's where you go. And what is very important for you is, of course, to see the path ahead. And you cannot see that if you have a hood. So not just relevant, obviously, when you go off-road, but also in this application, when you drive through the urban jungle. Another pillar then has to do with your most discerning customers and with your enthusiasts. In our case, Special Vehicle Operations takes care of that. And there are two aspects. One is on the discerning side. So you develop very high exclusive vehicles that have a touch and a feel like no other vehicle that are truly bespoke, and you give the customer the option to individualize their car, because at the end of the day, you know, our customers don't want to drive what everyone else is driving. And you cater to the performance enthusiasts. Here I show you a Range Rover Sport SVR with 575 horsepower and a driving dynamic that I believe is unrivaled in the premium SUV segment. So now you have taken care of the discerning customers and the sports enthusiasts, but also you have to take care of the heritage of your brand. And we do that by restoring some of our beloved old vehicles, both on the Land Rover and on the Jaguar side. There are two ways you can do that. You can either find your own vehicle and you ship it to England and we restore it for you according to spec, or we find the vehicle for you and restore it in our workshops in England. And we don't do that just for the older vehicles from the 50s or 60s, no. We've done this also for our first Range Rover, the one that came out in 1970. So you can drive a brand new 1970 Range Rover. And then at the end of all, when I close now the product section, You have to make sure that you test your products, obviously, thoroughly. But I think it is very, very important that the top management is involved in testing and putting the cars through the paces. I always use an example um, with a yogurt manufacturer. I can always tell which CEO doesn't eat its own yogurt brand. And it's very simple. It's the one when you open the lid and always some part of the lid is stuck there and You you, you get your fingers dirty when you open it. Because if the CEO would eat that product, believe me, that lid would come off immediately. Now, another aspect that helps you in building your brand is the branded goods and accessory side. And you might think, what has that to do with anything? And I have a couple of examples. Obviously, a brand that is rooted in the outdoors needs accessories that help you to enjoy the outdoors. So the roof tent that you have can't be of inferior quality. You need to make sure you partner with the best, that it withstands all the wind, rain, and storms out there. When you partner with the manufacturer of outdoor clothing, you have to partner with the best. We did it with Musto, and all of their gear is probably the best that you can find when it comes to outdoor um, accessories and And closing, And an aspect that you might think is a little bit ridiculous, even the pens that we offer as branded goods went through thorough testing. We have a pen that actually writes still when you are at 250 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know if you ever want to be in that situation because you might be almost medium well, but nevertheless you can do it. You can also drive over that pen with a four-ton truck and it's still and it writes in space and writes in the ocean if you ever make it to these places. More logical, of course, when you go then further with your branded goods and and you talk about high-end watches, of course, you partner with the best in the industry. And one very important aspect for me is you need to get your customers early into the brand. We have a fantastic product with LEGO, and if you haven't got a Christmas present, by now, which we probably haven't, think about it, it was sold out last Christmas, a fantastic way to spend time with your family and a fantastic way for us to get kids early into our brand. And why is it important? Because for your brand image, one of the most important drivers is the driver of the vehicle. So what is the perception of everyone out there who's driving our vehicles? And it goes back, obviously, back to your youth. And I still remember playing soccer in in Germany and kicking the ball over to our neighbor who had a perfectly clean Mercedes-Benz at the time and washed the car every Saturday. But he was always angry and, and grumpy when we kicked the ball over the fence. And so for me, in my head, the Mercedes customer was always old and grumpy and washed the car on a Saturday. This is obviously not true anymore. I don't want to get a call from my colleague from the other brand, but this is still rooted deeply inside of me. So think about it. How can you get your customers early and make an impression on them and tell them what the core of your brand is all about? And at the end of the day, of course, never forget the hobbies and the pets that your customers love so dearly. Um, you have to have something for them as well. Another big element then when it comes to brand building and brand image is, of course, your retail outlet and your retail partners. Your corporate design and your corporate identity. In our case, of course, our, our stores have to represent the corporate uh, image and the brand core. It can't be a flimsy architectural design, it has to show the strengths of our vehicles. It has to be an environment that is luxurious and that represents the ideal world of our customers and represents also other premium products they are shopping. It has to be an environment where they feel welcomed and where they love to spend time. And then, of course, you have to have something for your customers that also goes above and beyond regular advertising. You have to create experiences that they love for life. In our case, it's driving experiences like the one you see here in England, in Solihull, where we have created a jungle path and you actually take a car through a meter deep of water. It is experiences that we created around Toronto or Montreal-Vancouver area, where we have mobile um, off-road equipment where we can simulate various off-road driving situations. We try to get our customers involved, we try to get our employees involved with driving experiences, and challenges like, for example, the track experience. We started it uh, back in the 90s. We revived it now here in North America. And we take technicians and put them through the paces. They have to build bridges. They have to navigate through terrain that they don't know. They have to fix cars with uh, faults prepared by us. We always try to get our employees into our vehicle so that they can experience it, that they can show it to their neighbors, so that they are the first advocates for our brand. We try to have customer experiences like the 4x4 festival in Palm Springs before the pandemic, where you bring together the whole lifestyle world of Land Rover, where you partner with the right companies and you show what the vehicles are made of. And then, of course, um, you have to have very enthusiastic customers. Maybe earlier today you heard about um, one of the earlier speakers talking about the fact that you reached the pinnacle as a premium brand when customers are tattooing their logo, uh, your logo on their arms or backs. I would go one step further you reach that status when your customers are actually painting their experiences on their vehicles. Go online, have a look at the full story of the Grizzly Torque and of Mr. Foster, Mr. Um, that, that went to uh, around the world in a, in a Land Rover uh, Series 1 that they customized back in the f- uh, 50s. I'm sorry, it was Robert Bateman, the naturalist from B.C., So that content, of course, helps you then when you have such enthusiastic customers that you can put online. Because the next aspect then for your brand building is, of course, your communication strategy. And there we all face, I think, the same dilemma. Going and buying media spots on TV is not doing the trick anymore. You have to create content that lives in a social world. So the challenge is to create content that is also then true To the core of your brand and the next challenge of course is that you need more and more content because obviously you don't get the frequency that you get with traditional advertising because usually the customers are just watching it once and then it is again a thing of the past so you're in a constant mood of developing content and you always have to remember it has to fit the brand The problem here is, of course, as you can imagine, how do you get the frequency and how do you get the traction that you need? And obviously, you try to amplify it and use it in various channels, and that's what we are doing as well. I guess for us, it's always also about a twinkle in the eye and not taking everything too seriously. Another aspect then is how to build or how to build your brand is, how do I use sponsorships? How do I find partners that are actually, you know, really, truly representing your brand? In our case, we're sponsoring the US ski team, with probably the most successful skier at the moment skiing with Michaela Schiffer. And of course, skiing, because it is a very technical sport. It's a speed sport and it's very challenging and our customers love, obviously, to ski. Here in Canada, we partnered last year with Fred Van Fleet, when I think no one had the Toronto Raptors on their uh, score sheet and we were lucky enough to get him before he won the championship. And then again, you try to connect your employees to something like that as well. And in that case, we invited him to our headquarters. And I guess this was a once in a lifetime experience to shake the hand of a true world champion. This year we partnered with Mitch Marner, undoubtedly one of the best hockey players in the world, and hopefully the hockey player that brings home gold for Canada. And another sponsorship that is one that we are doing worldwide is with Prince Harry's foundation, the Invictus Games, where we are supported, supporting wounded veterans and support the games that give meaning and that give a purpose back to the people who served for us. And then, last but not least, we're also going into outer space. We have now a cooperation and a partnership with Virgin Galactic where we're actually producing astronaut editions that are only for sale to the people who actually went into space and can call themselves astronauts. We also have Vehicles that help the project team there on the ground in hauling um, planes out of hangar or hauling equipment. And that brings me now to the last section in terms of brand building. What do you need to do going forward? And what does the future throw at you? And how are you coping with it? And I just have two examples on that topic. Obviously, we all talk about autonomous driving. And it will come sooner or later. I believe the first adaptations will be on highways where it really makes sense to pack more vehicles in a in a close distance to each other and move them safely across highways. Because the real estate that you have is the real estate that you have. And building new roads is not always obviously the best solution. And we at Jaguar Land obviously are doing also our Investigation and research into it. And I hope Chris is not angry at me when I every now and then throw Jaguar in as well, because we are obviously one company but two brands. And on the Jaguar side, we have a corporation with Waymo and a lot of cars already on the road and being uh, used as shuttles by Waymo and fully autonomous. Now I want to give you a glimpse into the really real future. And I'm going to show you now the next six models of Land Rover. Unfortunately, I can't pull the cloth away right now, but the future is electric. In the next five years, we will have six fully battery electric Land Rovers for sale. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Chris and Ryan, thank you so much for having me.
0: Wolfgang, I'm so, first of all, Several things. First of all, thank you for coming and uh, sort of uh, braving the elements, if you were from uh, Toronto. Um, Secondly, throughout your presentation, I was just smiling because the the the, the robustness of which you shared the Land Rover story is what we get to see as we evaluate these cult brands. Mm -hmm. But I don't think many consumers recognize the complexity of that mosaic and all of the things that go into creating something as iconic as Land Rover. And I thought you did a really great job covering a lot of ground, pun intended, uh, to really help the world see what we saw in sort of evaluating you guys, that this is not just a premium, innovative product. This is a masterful combination of engineering and marketing and uh, and sales and retail and the customer experience. And so thank you. I I thought that was excellent. I think the first question up which was why does uh why does every hollywood villain seem to drive a land rover uh what
1: is it that's going on there i think that that little uh snippet uh, explained it because i mean you you can you, you think you damaged the car but it's still there and it still drives and i mean in one of these days i'm sure um james bond will be caught and um that's then the end of it so i, I mean we, we're still working on that but it, it's a fantastic relationship that we have, and, and and I think, you know, to be to be badass every now and then is not so bad.
0: No, well, no, r- rarely, and I mean, I do think that um, clearly product placement has been a core part of your mm. strategy, and I don't know, is that something that you fell into just by building a remarkable brand, and so people called and asked for cars, or was that a very conscious decision that will be more desirable if we can get into the, the sex appeal of Hollywood?
1: Uh, it's, it's probably both. No? I mean, first you, you get approached and, and you then have to select which one fits and which one fit, doesn't fit the brand. And sometimes you get a, a, a lot of detail, I guess, on the script and so on. And, and sometimes you don't. So you take a, you take a gamble. Um, I, I think, you know, and then you, you try to approach um, also the, the studios at one point or another when you know there is something going on and something going to happen. Um, I also believe that, you know, it, it, even books. You know, writers, I think it's very important to to be part of that as well, because once, you know, a, a successful book and, and the, the protagonist is driving a Range Rover, it will be very difficult then not to show it in a movie. Um, so I think these are all the aspects that you have to work, but every car manufacturer premium car manufacturer is doing it. So it's a, it's a challenging environment. And I think we do, we, we select it more carefully, I think, so that it, that, it really, that it really fits.
0: Talk to us a little bit about just the industry that you get to work in, that you have worked in. We do everything from apparel to jewelry to food to, you know, snacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, is it a do? Do you subscribe to the idea that you're cheating? That just the the automotive industry by itself has so much sex appeal mm-hmm. that you already have a leg up to create cult-like affinity? Or do you think that there's just as much opportunity in the snack food category or in the you know the the, the office computer equipment business as there is in the automotive space
1: i mean i, I believe that the uh, the urge for mobility is is so inherent in us um, that obviously that that helps our industry because you know without the the horse and and, and the wagon I, I mean nothing would have been achieved and and we wouldn't have you know moved out of our small little Valleys and, and and conquered the world, so to speak, and I think that helps you because it's a very emotional, then product that serves this this inherent need in human beings to go to go out and explore and and, and meet new people. I mean, the uh, that little movie about uh, Robert Bateman and 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 Bill Foster it, it shows again uh, that in the 50s they were like, I get a car, and I go around the world. I mean, how do you go around the world? I mean, the, you, you have, that is a, bi- a big endeavor and. and yeah an organization, but it is that that urge to go out and see things. And then it's so emotional also because of the performance and how fast you can go and so on. Yeah, that helps us because it's obviously more exciting at a dinner party to talk about cars uh, than, than maybe about uh, the next s- snack food. And and then the last aspect, of course it is for, for most of us, the either the single biggest or the second biggest purchase we will ever do in our life. No? And, and that again is another strong emotional connection. So yeah, we, we. I mean, I love the industry. I couldn't imagine to to, to work anywhere else. I I guess, and um, it is so so charged with with emotions. And and we are probably at an at an advantage versus toilet paper. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um. Royden here online, and for those who are watching, we're, we're getting a live feed of questions here. You shared some, uh, you teased us with your six covered cars, but you talked about autonomous, you talked about electric. He says, uh, what's the next big thing in regards to the digital experience, digital retailing in terms of the, the
1: dealership experience? Mm. I mean, we're we're almost there, I think, for, for the next level, which is every, everything can be done online and digitally. And um, on the whole customer journey, I mean, all your research and so on is done. Um, th- there are some aspects you, you still have to figure out when it comes about appraising the trade-in vehicles, when it is about finding financing, and, and so on. There are still some technical issues, but we, we are getting there. That at one point you could really do it all from from home and and buy your vehicle um, from from your sofa. The, the challenge for me there is is that the technology. is is there or almost there. But at the end of the day, there are human beings who have to interact with it, have to use it. And it's it's not not good enough to have the technology and all the leads come in and then at the point of sales, we're dropping the ball because we're not following up. So that is also a constant um, training and education process that everything that walks through the door now digitally is as important as in the past, the person that walks through the door physically. And, and it's very important to to make, that, to make that connection and take it as seriously. And it is challenging for salespeople, obviously, because they don't, in most of the case, they don't see the person, they can't uh, see the body language, how, how serious are they? And, and so it, it is a, a changing environment and we need to train them. But I think we are technically we are there that you can do everything online. I mean, the, the quality now of our configurators and the speed is, is insane. Um, and, and it will get way easier for people to choose which way they want to go. I mean, I personally believe that going physically in and smelling the new car and touching and feeling and test it is, is, will always be an important element. Yeah. But some of the other stuff, um, the, the more mundane stuff and the paperwork, that's where we need to get better, faster, and, and there the digital revolution is, is well ahead.
0: Um, you mentioned, I, I, I didn't catch it, it was the world's best designed car. What was the accolade that you
1: referenced? Uh, w- World Design Car of the Year. The World Design Car of the Year. This is in 2018? So, in eighteen, and the other one must have been in eleven or so, I think. Um, they Around the New York Auto Show, there's always the, the World Car of the Year. Then there's the World Green Car of the Year, which we also won with one of our vehicles. And then the World Design Car of the Year. And yeah, we were lucky enough to, to win it here t- twice with the... Um, at least twice i, I maybe maybe and want wanted even more we'll put it just then i gonna yeah the then screen. i gonna um, get get killed um, and then we also want it on the jaguar side so what goes into course. that like it, it's one it's particular model or is it the brand uh no that is then the specific model and it's uh, journalists around the world that's why it is then the world car that um that goes through the the cars through the test drive through a whole year And then they decide on each of the categories. So it is probably the most democratic um, award that you can get and I I think the the most prestigious one. And then obviously New York, I mean, if you make it in New York, right, you make it anywhere.
0: Yes, well, congratulations on that. You can add your cult brand trophy to to those uh, accolades. Um, Why don't you uh, wrap up here just with, tell us a little bit about what's happened in the past year with COVID's impact on automotive sales, what sort of pivots had you ha- have you had to do that you think is gonna now stick because necessity was the mother of invention and things are actually now better either working at corporate or at the dealership or yeah. in the car buying experience?
1: I mean, for us from a corporate level, of course, the, the, the relationship with our retailers was very strong because we had to be in contact basically biweekly. Um, we talked to, to our retailer council on, on a biweekly basis and seeing how can we adjust and, and what, what needs to be done so that the, the retailers can do their job and, and survive through through this pandemic. Um, the, the most challenging time then was at one point when the factories were shut down, there was no inventory, which is good for us and good for the retailer because there is going on and, and, and prices are a little bit more closer to the MSRP where they, I believe, should be. And uh, I think that is something that we will carry as, as long forward as we can. Um, always have you know, one car less than that you actually can sell. That that is in the premium segment uh, still a, a rule that you that you should try to follow, so that you have you know not not too much inventory on the, on on the dealer lots and. Um, obviously, we worked with our, you know, financial partners and, and developed new products for the customers out there. And I think something like that being they are more flexible, approving deals that you might not have approved in the past. Things like that, I, I, I believe, will stay with us also um, this year.
0: Well, we uh, we at The Gathering are fascinated by the automotive category. There's only ever been two. It's kind of crazy. I mean, eight years, 10 brands. So there's been 80 honorees Mm -hmm. um, jeep and uh, porsche have been uh, sort of alumni and we have our eyes on tesla Mm -hmm. uh, ford mustang but i think land rover uh, is just an incredible business Mm -hmm. an incredible brand and thank Mm -hmm. you for being here and being such a great representation uh, uh, thank thank you
1: thank you thanks so much
0: as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. I love how Wolfgang speaks to all aspects of their product, their accessories, their dealer network, and of course, their marketing. Each and every aspect must live up to Land Rover's mission of making the most of our world and doing so in a super refined and luxurious way. I also really love Wolfgang's honesty that nobody really needs a Land Rover. You know, they are in the wants business, not the needs business. And the truth is you don't have to be a luxury car to acknowledge that. In first world nations like the US and Canada, No one really needs anything anymore. I mean, we have 17 choices of ranch dressing. We have an aisle full of different shampoo products, 10 different fast food burger joints within 20 minutes of our homes. Each of us has access to limitless products from Amazon that can be delivered within 24 hours to our doorsteps. So if marketers truly knew how little their goods or services were needed, I think that we'd all spend less time and money trying to create awareness and much more effort creating consideration and preference. We'd see billions of dollars be redeployed away from paid media and advertising and put that money into innovations that are baked right into the products or the services or the customer experiences so that our offerings become so much more irresistible. That is what Land Rover does. They have created a host of desirable features and benefits and then combined those with this carefully crafted brand image that just makes their cars highly prestigious and highly desirable to own. If we do more of what they do, perhaps we can enjoy the same spoils that they do as well. Until next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at The Gathering, a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening.